Welcome to Merhan Show. In today's episode, I want to talk about what recently happened in Atlanta, Georgia, where uh, this um, guy went on a killing spree and ended up killing six Asian women in different spas. The guy was eventually arrested. The arrest uh, was a very peaceful event, the arrest itself. Uh, nothing before that was peaceful. How come it was peaceful this time when uh, the perpetrator just happened to be a Caucasian individual, uh, Robert Aaron Long. To what extent do we experience this uh, phenomenon called white privilege? To what extent do we see or feel or experience white privilege around us? Talking about uh, the police relationship with the community, if I am a brown-skinned man, or an African-American, and I am running in my neighborhood or out in the streets with my hoodie on um, in the month of December uh, when it's cold, how likely am I to be pulled over by a police patrol car just for a conversation because of my skin color? And if I happen to be a Caucasian man of a Caucasian origin, am I going to be pulled over the same amount of times the same number of times by the law enforcement uh, folks as my African-American peers or as my uh, brown-skinned community members? Yes, no. Well, the answer will tell you whether or not we experience white privilege uh, in our daily lives. Also, I want to point to a recent context, uh, the show, The Blacklist on NBC. There was a conversation in uh, the show in this episode where this character Dembe was subject to uh, torture physical torture and the lady also African-American lady who uh, was putting Dembe through this torture she mentions that when we go to the hospital we as in referring to African-Americans when we go to the hospital doctors there tell us that uh, oh you should not feel pain the same way as white people do What does that mean? And have you heard that? Is that insensitive? Is that discriminatory? Is that racist behavior? Because uh, if that was mentioned in the show, it must have happened somewhere. There must have been some inspiration. Was there? Was there not? Well, I'm I'm no one to judge. So uh, just wanted to touch base on that context that such perceptions do exist. Why do those perceptions exist? How can we move forward with those perceptions or despite those perceptions is why I wanted to uh, make this video today. And coming to that very point is how to impact change, how to become the change, how to be on a very basic level, impact that change in a way that creates that ripple effect. So I'm, I'm going to start with our engagement. It all goes back to engagement. The most important one is political engagement, but let's keep it till the very end. So let's start with our economic engagement. And I want to tell you, I happened to attend a Chamber of Commerce meeting for City of Irving. And City of Irving happens to be one of the biggest ones in terms of size of commerce. In terms of people commuting to City of Irving, in addition to folks who live in City of Irving and going to work, within city of Irving. So what I witnessed there was uh, there were people from all walks of life. There are mostly Caucasians. uh, There were um, Asians. There were um, a handful of African-Americans. Only one person 
of uh, subcontinent, subcontinental Asian descent. So this mix was very surprising for me because Irving boasts a very strong Pakistani Indian subcontinental population. And despite that, despite having so many businesses that have owners who have background, who have Pakistani background, Indian background, Sri Lankan background, the Bangladeshi background, people did not want to come to those Chamber of Commerce meetings. What does that tell us? Yes, we want to have certain privileges. Yes, we want to have certain rights, but we do not want to take those steps to become part of the system, to become part of the economic process. With Chamber of Commerce, those meetings for new members and any exploratory members, those meetings are very beneficial. I had the honor to attend a few of those meetings and uh, mind boggling. If you have a small business, medium sized business, or even a large sized business, uh, not an enterprise business, but a relatively large sized business, those chamber meetings help you a lot. Top of the list, networking. So we've got to be able to become part of that economic engagement. We've got to be able to do that, find ways. Find folks who have mutual interests. And if I have a business, any other person, any other business owner has that mutual interest because it goes back to policymaking. So that's the first thing. We've got to be able to engage with other folks for our business, for our economy reasons, economic reasons. Then we've got the community. There's got to be a community mix-up, community networking. We've got to be able to know what's happening, what's going on in our community. And uh, one of the bigger examples I'm going to give you is uh, the reason I'm going to give you this example is because the context of the conversation I wanted to have today. So I'm going to stick to that. For our Pakistani community in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, we've got two groups. So, and those two groups cater to the restaurant industry, the service industry owned by mostly uh, Muslim um, owners, primarily who serve halal food. The conversation context is that what those two groups provide to the community is a platform where community can see engagement from business owners and customers, from marketeers, from different stakeholders who might be involved in that restaurant business. Primarily, yes, those two groups are for reviews, but that's beyond the point. As I've already said, that is not the topic of my conversation today. So you've got to have that community interaction. Then we've got our Islamic centers. Uh, you've got your religious centers. So any person of color, any community of color, we've got to be able to have that participation, have that communication, whether it be WhatsApp groups, whether it be Facebook groups, or whether it be, say, one-off meeting that you attend, or even conversations, or even the Q&As, or town halls. Then a very important aspect is the interfaith networking. Dallas-Fort Worth enjoys a good mix of different faiths. And that is what makes this community a very diverse community. And over the course of the last few years, we've seen a lot of interfaith practices, interfaith um, conventions, interfaith conversations going on. Due to COVID, there have been a lot of uh, virtual conventions uh, for interfaith purposes. So that makes sure that people from different faiths come together on one platform. They share their best practices. They share their faiths. They question what they don't understand about each other's faith 
from the perspective of wanting to know why they don't understand, not just question for the sake of questioning, not for criticism, but to understand. So those interfaith communications, uh, those interfaith conversations have to happen. They have to keep going on and on. And then all this comes up to political engagement and how that happens. Once you've got your community networking going, once you've got your economic uh, participation going, once you've got your interfaith uh, communication going, all that funnels up to political presence. And that is a very important and key aspect because all these resources combined come into that political process where you earmark your leaders. Uh, you've got your, those community leaders who are taking care of the community, be it from a uh, philanthropic uh, perspective, be it economic perspective, be it religious perspective, it could be a corporate uh, perspective. In any context, when we have those leaders earmarked, we get those leaders to contribute towards the political process, which will move the community forward. And when you have that political presence, that is when you become part of the policymaking, or that is when you try or start becoming part of the political process. And it starts from the city level, city, council, sheriff, those elections, local elections, and then it goes up and up. So we've got to be able to do that because let's be honest, government, whether it's any government in the world, cannot do everything. They cannot come to our homes and clean our homes. They cannot come to our community centers and take care of community centers. They can impact change in terms of policymaking, in terms of laws, but the culture change comes from within and no culture change comes unless we want to bring that change. And that change will only come when we become part of different processes and have our presence felt, be it Asian Americans, be it African Americans, be it Pakistani Americans, Desi Americans, anyone, any Black Americans. It has to be an American perspective. And only then we're going to, over the course of time, maybe over the course of generations, we get rid of this white privilege stereotype. Whether or not, or to what extent you believe it to be true, that's a completely different story. But we've got to take those steps. Joe Biden is not going to come to our community and get rid of all the I mean, stereotypes. Donald Trump never did that. Um, Barack Obama, he could never do that. It comes down to how we, the people of this country, of this community, of the city, take care of ourselves and want to move forward. No change is going to come without us sitting on the table or us doing our part so that we can become part of the table. Unless and until we start doing that, no one's going to care about it. As harsh as it is, as harsh as it sounds, that is the reality. So just to wrap it up, we cannot impact change without becoming part of a cultural shift, an economic shift, a political shift, a faith-based shift, and most importantly, a human communication shift. The paradigm has to shift in terms of how we interact with different communities, how we set the stage for ourselves 
to be propelled into the limelight to take care of each other and then move forward. Because unless we do that, no one's going to put the spotlight on you or me. Hey, look at Umar Khan. He is just standing there waving his hand at me. No, that's just one person. Now, if you talk about 10,000 people, hey, look at those 10,000 people. I wonder what those 10,000 people can do in a political context, in economic context, in a skill-based context. Well, that those 10,000 votes can really matter. So think about that. Do you want to be just one person or do you want to be a community and impact change as a community? I'm going to leave you with that thought. Till next time, keep watching. Please let me know if you have any questions, comments, feedbacks. Umarkhan at gmail.com. I'll see you next time.